Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, you guys? Welcome back to the Neighborhood Podcast. I'm one of the co-hosts of the podcast. I go by the name of Kyle Dabra. What's good, everybody? You know the name's Kevin Valentin here on the other end for the Neighborhood Podcast. Kyle, what's good, bro? Just chilling, bro. Just living another day out here, living the dream. Living in these streets? Yes, sir. But let's uh, let's dive into these topics. we got a lot to talk about in today's episode. So uh, first things first, I know Kevin's probably going to be pissed off about the first topic that we go over but it's the fact that the yankees are considered the worst team in the american league right now they are currently sitting at a five and was it five and ten record they're a five game losing streak and it's just quite odd to see this team really struggling at the beginning of the year granted we still have a long way to go in the season but they are not playing up to snuff to start out the year After that, we'll talk a little bit about the growing rivalry that's going on between the Dodgers and Padres. They had a three-game series this past weekend, and there were definitely some fireworks in some of the games that they were playing, so we'll touch on them for a little bit. After that, we'll transition into some NBA news. We'll talk about the Celtics. They're on a six-game winning streak. Right now, they're currently sitting, I believe, in the middle of the pack in the Eastern Conference. I believe they're sitting somewhere around the fifth or sixth seed. And then after that, we'll talk a little bit about the Nets and just the multitude of injuries that they've been going through the entire season, whether it's been with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden. You just had the Marcus Aldridge retired due to an irregular heartbeat. Blake Griffin's still in and out of the lineup. So we'll talk about them a little bit, see how it affects their postseason run in the next month or so. And then we'll talk about Alex Smith retiring from football He was last year's NFL Comeback Player of the Year, played with the Washington football team last year, but he has decided to hang it up after playing a decade-plus in the NFL. That'll be the last segment that we talk about on today's episode. But like I said at the top, we got to talk about the Yankees. It's I'm just going to be 100% honest with you guys. The Yankees suck. They are not playing up to the level that Kevin and I thought they would at the beginning of the year, granted, we're only 15, 16 games into the regular season. There's 162 games in a season, so there's still a long way to go. But, Kev, I remember you talked about just the issues that were kind of plaguing this team in one of the first games that they played at the beginning of the year, and it seems like those issues have continued to linger into the first couple weeks of the season. Just give it to me straight, Kev. What's going on with the Yankees right now? Dude. I am thankful right now that I don't have the Yes Network, and obviously that's the Yankees' own channel. Um, 
I, because I, I'd be yelling at the top of my lungs every night. I would scare my dog. I would probably scare my neighbors. I would I'd probably be evicted because this team is absolutely ridiculously playing under. On, uh, they're underperforming, and it, it, it starts with the offense. Point blank, period. Um, this offense is just playing subpar. We have a multitude of all-stars. We have former MVPs, silver sluggers, batting title award winners, and they're just playing like dog shit. I mean, I'm just going to run over some numbers really quick. And I mean, like, it, it, they're embarrassing numbers. But, I mean, these are numbers and these are from players that we need to have perform. Aaron Judge is probably one of our better hitters this season. He is in a little bit of a slump at this moment. However, Aaron Judge is batting 255 with 15 strikeouts. We have Giancarlo Stanton batting 176. He's got 18 strikeouts. We have Jay Bruce, who just retired, thank God who was batting 118 with 13 strikeouts. Aaron Hicks batting 160, 14 strikeouts. We have DJ LeMahieu picking it up as of late, but he has 12 strikeouts. He's now batting 286. Um, we have uh, Rolfin Odor, who just recently got acquired by the Yankees. He's batting 125. He's only got three Ks, but, you know, we didn't really acquire him for the uh, for the bat. He was more of a, a safe haven fallback kind of guy for Glaber Torres who's been struggling at second. So we kind of traded for him for the infielding. Um, Gio Rochella's batting 250, but he's got 13 Ks. Clint Frazier batting a subpar 167, 14 strikeouts. Glaber Torres, 196, 15 Ks. And as you can see, the list kind of goes on from there. Uh, to start it off, we have no plate discipline. As you can see, a lot of our players are going for pretty much everything and trying to swing for the fences and nothing's happening. Um, we're averaging like a measly like three runs a game. It's pretty embarrassing with this power lineup, literally just with Judge and Stanton alone. People projected us to have maybe 75 plus home runs a year with just those two. And I mean, at the end of the day, we're sitting here. Judge got four home runs. Uh, Stanton's got three. But at the end of the day, it goes so far beyond that. And the offense is just you heard the averages dog shit. We're not putting the ball in play. Outside of Garrett Cole, pitching hasn't been the greatest. Um, and when Garrett Cole is on the mound, we're not putting up any runs to support him. Uh, no jab at the Mets, but I feel like it's like every time Jacob DeGrom pitches, there's no run support. And I'm starting to understand what they're going through because we're wasting the better years of Garrett Cole's career. I mean, we're, we're sitting there and the guys that we signed to long-term deals, the guy that we, the guys that we are invested in, um, DJ LeMahieu, Aaron Hicks, Giancarlo Stanton, and so on and so forth, everybody's pretty much underperforming outside of the recent uh, emergence of DJ LeMahieu's bat. But, I mean, we're sitting here. We're just sucking it up. There's not really much else we can say. I mean, I just talked about pitching, and I'm going to go into the pitching stats really quick. Out of our starting pitchers between Garrett Cole, Jordan Montgomery, uh, Domingo Herman, Michael King, Corey Kluber, and Nick Nelson and Jason Jamison Talon, Garrett Cole is obviously the best pitcher on our staff. So, we don't even have to talk about him. Everybody knows that this man should be three or four and zero, but because we have played subpar and haven't been able to give him a lot of support, he's sitting at two and one. Uh, Monty is one and one with a four point two four ERA. He should have won the last game, but again, offense just did not produce. Then we're sitting here, we're looking at Herman. Herman's first game back, uh, or second game back. This man gives up like six runs in a row. His ERA is at nine. Immediately after the game, we sent him down to the alternative site. So. He's looking like dog shit. Uh, Michael King has been coming out of the pen. I mean, he's got a zero ERA. I mean, so like he's 
I like him. He's got nine innings pitched. I think when we struggle, I think we should utilize him coming out as a starter, even if it's not to go the full five to six innings, but he is producing his ERAs at zero out of nine innings pitched. So, I mean, Michael King is solid. Uh, Corey Kluber, the guy that we added last year from Texas, um, he's got a 6.1 ERA. He's sitting here it's with 10 innings pitched. He's not doing the greatest at 0-1. Uh, Nick Nelson, he's sitting here freaking, I think, his ERA is 10.8. Why we sent Michael King down to alternate site and not Nick Nelson is beyond me. And then we have Jamison Talon, who is the uh, former teammate of Garrett Coles in Pittsburgh. He just got rocked in his last start. And he gave up six runs in two or three innings. So his ERA is at 7.56. So, I mean, it's like I just said, man, we're sitting here. And we're just we're, we're, we're stinking it up. And when the pitching staff does, you know, produce or hold runs or hold teams to less runs, the offense isn't producing. And then when the offense does want to wake up a little bit, and I mean a little bit because we all know the potential this Yankees roster has to put up five to eight runs a game because we have that much power, um, we're just not. Uh, as a Yankees fan, I want Aaron Boone's head. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm over him. His inexperience in managing and his, his incoherent, not incoherent, his incompetence of late game situations has been ridiculous. I've had just about enough. Like I said, the, 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 the sending down of Nick Nelson, we, we, we were sitting here and we signed Jay Bruce uh, at, at, what, 35 years old because he had a good spring. I, I told Kyle this 100 times. Everybody has a good spring when you have a bunch of no-name fucking random-ass pitchers coming from all over the street throwing in random-ass games. Anybody can look good in spring training. So Jay Bruce retired because he's so damn bad. Thank you, Jesus. But we had a career outfielder playing first base. Why? Tell me why. I don't understand fucking why. Luke Voigt's hurt, so we're waiting on that bat to come back. And like I said, the the Nick Nelson, Michael King situation, Michael King is a better pitcher, but you keep Nick Nelson up, who starts our last game, and he just gets absolutely shredded on the mound, who's 0-2 with a 10 ERA, a 10.8 ERA. Bro, are you fucking kidding me right now? Like a 10? What the fuck are you doing with yourself? Like, tell me what you're doing. He's got five innings pitched, 10? No 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 just no i've had it he can't even fucking make it out of the second or third inning no just no i've had it we're literally 15 games into the season i'm not boycotting the yankees i saw a tweet today that said oh yankee fans on april 1st everybody's smiling in the stadium and then it was like two weeks later it was the same guys but they were at mets gear on the 18th like you will never ever ever see me denounce my lifeline like the yankees are my whole world so i will never ever ever jump ship i would never jump ship to any of my teams but damn sure it ain't gonna be them so i'm just bro i'm angry we're better than this we are we are just like i said underperforming in every lick of the way and i mean i'm I'm, i really don't know what else to say because in every aspect of the game between fielding hitting and pitching it's, it's just not happening we're just we're just not performing very well and I don't have an answer unless we go out there and we make some acquisition and some moves that are not Odor. You know, we go and trade for somebody in the infield or we go and figure something else out on the pitching aspect. You know, we put some prospects together to get another starter to help Garrett because dude, if we can't pitch, this has been an issue for the last four or five years. If we can't pitch. We're not going to win. Cause obviously this offense will wake up. Eventually people, their bats will wake up, but bro, to start the season this bad to be the worst team in the AL it's kind of crazy, but it's actually funny because I did see another tweet from a Yankees uh, a beat writer that said the Yankees are the worst team in the AL for the first time this early since 1998, and we won the 1998 World Series. 
thought it was early. I thought it was later. I mean, I thought it was. I thought it was like back to like sixty-eight. I thought it was farther back. Ninety-eight. Okay. So I'm like, history has a way of repeating itself. Yes, but I'm not going to sit here and say that it will because, like I said, we're just not playing well whatsoever. So we we got a lot of things to fix. We got a lot of things to figure out. And I mean, I'm hoping we figure it out uh, sooner than later. Like Kyle said, it's 162 games. It is early as hell. And um, uh, to all Yankee fans out there, man, we're we're, going to figure it out. We're going to get it together. And uh, I just, we got to, we got to remain positive, man. Sometimes I don't even want to turn these games on because I'm just scared the offense is going to have me break the TV. Kev, where are the savages that Aaron Boone was trying to defend a couple years ago when he was cussing out the umpire? Where are they? I can't. Oh, they're, sitting in, they're sitting in Philly because DJ DD Gregorius and, and 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 Todd Frazier, all the, the, the that team, that 2017 team, was the year we should have won the World Series, and that's why we did the Make Your Case or the What If, excuse me, segment. If the Astros didn't treat, um, that was the team to win it all. That 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 locker room, everything from the, the camaraderie, the friendships, the bonds, the play, uh, everything we had it all. And it, it's, we didn't capitalize, obviously, because of the situation. But that, 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 that's where the Savages died. Because since then, we have been pretty mediocre. Just looking at this lineup, man. And this is, this is bad. I'm just looking at some of the names. Glaber Torres, he's batting 196. you got Stan, who's batting 176. you got Clint Frazier, he's batting 167. And then you got Aaron Hicks, who's batting a god awful one sixty. Yeah, the Yankees are getting. I don't want. I don't want to say they, they're getting what they deserve, but it's like, look, their payroll this year is two hundred million dollars, and this is the best that you can come up with. The New York Yankees, for God's sakes, you only have five wins. You just got swept by the Rays. The Rays are a pretty decent team. They're 10 and 10 or something like that. So they're not bad. They're not the Red Sox right now because Red Sox are actually or eight and eight, pretty, excuse me. The Red Sox are still the top team in the ALE so far, but I mean, the, the Rays are no pushover. But I don't know where the help's going to come from until these bats start going off. It's just, you look at this lineup, I mean, Aaron Judge is only batting 255. The best hitter who's played the most so far is DJ LeMay, who's batting 286. And then everybody else is pretty much batting 250 or under. I mean, I know you've had your long list of complaints about Gary Sanchez, but he's not batting that bad. He's only batting 237. And I mean, it's okay, but it's got to be better. And granted, I know it's still early in the season. It's only April, but there has to be a sense of urgency on this team to get it going sooner rather than later, because if they keep falling behind and they keep losing these games the way that they have, especially against that against the Rays this past weekend, there's going to be some trouble in New York. And you saw the fans a couple of days ago really let the team have it when they were throwing all the – they were throwing baseballs on the field. They were throwing all sorts of shit on the field because they were just disgusted with what the product was out in the field. That's me for you. They didn't hold back, and I can't really blame them here. This team is underperforming to say it mildly, this team, just as far as the lineup goes, should probably have at least 10 to 11 wins right now. But you got Aaron Judge, who's one of the best hitters in the game, Giancarlo Stanton, and then you got some decent hitters along with along with them, with DJ LeMayhew, 
and Gio Urshela, but it's it's just not enough. I don't know where they're going to get the production from. Someone's got the someone's going to have to get a spark to get this team going. It's just until there's a sense of urgency on this team to really start competing and really start winning these games, they're not going to go anywhere. I don't think pitching is that big of an issue outside of, I mean, you look at Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole has been pretty solid so far. In the games that he's played, he's only given up like two runs at the most, two or three runs. He's doing what he needs to do. Um, Your relief pitching does struggle every now and then. Just kind of depends uh, who they have coming out of the pen. And, I mean, the back end of the starting rotation, it's hit or miss. To put it's questionable it, at best. Yeah, yeah, to kind of keep it, you know, somewhat positive. It's hit or miss. So it's like I said, though, there's a long way to go, but someone's got to provide a spark for this team, whether it comes from Boone or it comes from within the, the locker room, as far as one of the players goes, someone's got to get it going for this team. Everyone's hoping that Luke is going to be that spark when he comes back from that injury. So, I mean, to bank on one person coming back, from an injury, let alone, you know, coming back to this lineup to a a shell of a team is 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 asking for a lot. And I think that we need to figure it out before Luke gets back because if we're hoping one man can change an entire team's perspective or an entire team's attitude, I think we already have the wrong head on for the year because we, we, we can't sit here and look at Luke Boyd and be like, bro, please save us. Like, no, it needs to come from everybody. Like, Everyone says the leader of this team is Aaron Judge. We, we live or die with Aaron Judge, and you're going to sit here, and you're going to have 15 fucking strikeouts. Like, bro, can you sit there at six foot eight and really tell me you don't know how to have any plate discipline at five or six years in this league already? Bro, get your shit together. Learn to stop swinging at garbage. Giancarlo Stanton, bro, me and him have a lot of love-hate relationships because of the postseason that he had last year and breaking the records that he did. It was great, but it's either he's injured or he's fucking sucking it up. There really is no in-between because that postseason run was was magical in itself with how he performed. But, dude, regular season-wise, you got to stay healthy. You got you to sit here and you got to play better, man. Aaron Hicks on that five-year, 50-something million dollar deal to be batting 160, bro, come, come on, man. You got one of the better arms in baseball in terms of defense. Uh, you're one of the better center fielders in the game. Bro, you got to get your, your switch hitter. You got to get your bat together, bro. Have some discipline at the plate. You also got 14 Ks. I don't want to hear it anymore. A lot of these players, when they got their money, we were all excited. You know, a lot of these players that came out of left field, Gio Rochella, Clint Frazier, like that kind of just jumped on the scene and just had a hot go, go about things. Where's that? Where's the Glaber Torres from two years ago? Hitting 35 bombs. Bro, we switched Glaber to shortstop. And ever since then, he's been an absolute mess ridiculous the guy can't field for shit he literally moved over maybe 10 15 feet obviously for those of us that play baseball we know short and second are completely different positions but in the grand scheme of things man that doesn't mean you don't know how to use your glove it doesn't mean you don't know how to run the position of the ball it doesn't mean you don't know how to stop the ball so i don't know if it's in his head or what but glaber's got to get it out man because he's it's only going to get worse if he keeps letting this affect him like this because he's not playing good defensively he's not playing good offensively so i don't know if he's in a slump or what but He's got to get it going, or he might be on the block. The whole team's in a slump. I mean, there's seven current guys here that all have double digits in strikeouts. Jay Bruce was the eighth, and he just retired the other day. Look, I I don't know where this spark is going to come from. They got to get it from somewhere because 
if they keep playing this inept like they did against the Rays last week, it's going to be a long season. And oh, trust yeah. me, the fans are going to let them know about it. And don't be surprised if um, if things continue to go in a downward projection. <sighs> Could Aaron Boo be on the way out? Could there be some moves to kind of switch up the roster, make some in-season moves? I Who knows? It's just... I know this team is capable a lot is a is this team is a lot more capable of what they're putting out in the field right now. But man, they got to get these strikeout numbers down because the amount of strikeouts that these guys have from grade A hitters is surprising. And it's just it's I think it's going to be more of the same probably for the rest of the month. Hopefully yeah. Hopefully they they wake up in May because I don't know if it's going to be corrected in April. I just I don't see it. No, not the way that we're playing, not the way our mentality is, like in the slightest. Um, like you said, very nervous to see how we carry this through because if we continue this slump going into May and when Luke gets here, it's it's not looking to be a good season if we continue to to, to do what we're doing and, you know, produce the, the, the dog shit of games that we're producing. But uh, before I end that note, uh, to all you Rays fans that are, you know, giving me shit on my timeline and, you know, like I'm talking a lot. Huh? Blah, blah. I'm going to back up for this one. Let you talk. Um, I just, I just want to laugh because I'm pretty sure if I remember this correctly, you guys, and by you guys, I mean the Rays tweeted out caught in 4k, right? There's a picture of the Rays in their dugout, taking a picture like with a super big lens camera, and the next picture is like a Yankee fan, like covering his eyes with the Rays that uh, after they had just beaten us in the bottom of the ninth over our last game this weekend. I want to first and foremost say congratulations. Um, you actually guys have you, you become somewhat relevant again. The city of Tampa is kind of in a, in a in a good flux right now. You guys are just, you know, juices are flowing. The city's doing good. All the sports. Team, go fuck yourself. Like, right. So you guys are the asshats that publicly celebrated getting AL championship ranks, right? That's your claim to fame. You've gotten that twice, right? You want to come and let me know when you get a World Series? Because in my lifetime at 26, we got five of them. Um, recently, we had 100 times more than you do because if we're counting franchises in existence, I'm pretty sure you guys have been around for maybe 20 years, 30 years, um, and your best performances were in 2010 and last season. So for you guys to be mocking the Yankees in our slump to celebrate AL championship rings and act like you won a world series. You're clowns. You're absolute clowns. And any Rays fans that want that smoke, you know where to find me because this is ridiculous. Y'all going to talk shit on social media. Like you guys are going to win the world series or like you've won a championship in your lives. We're in a slump. We're in game 15 going into 16. Calm the fuck down. And go do your business. Because if the Yankees were talking shit and the roles were reversed, bro, we're, 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 we're the evil empire. We're terrible. We're, we're rude. We don't know how to take teams into consideration. It's We're only in the beginning of the year. Blah, 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 blah. The Yankees have always been arrogant. The Rays are three games ahead of us because of this sweep. Otherwise, we were both five and eight literally four games ago. So for you to talk shit, to be three games up, game 15, Bro, reevaluate your life, man, because you go talk shit. God forbid, bro. We come up here and we beat y'all in the end of the year. We have a better record. 
Y'all gonna block me. The Rays organization is gonna block me on social media because I'm gonna I'm gonna save this picture. I'm gonna screenshot it. Actually, I'm gonna bookmark it right now. I'm gonna bookmark it, and I'm gonna remember this because I'm a spiteful motherfucker, right? So add tweet to bookmark. And today is April 19th. If come postseason baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays have a worse record than the Yankees, we gonna have a long discussion about how talking shit is gonna come back and bite y'all. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm just going to say, in the last 15 years, they have more World Series appearances than the Yankees do. They've been to two, and you guys have only been to one in the last 15 years. It's been a long time, Kevin. I'm just saying. The Yankees, granted, they're a great organization. They've got 27 championships. They've only been to one World Series in the last 15 years. Goose egg. Goose egg. Goose egg. I'm just saying. We would have been in a fucking second one in 15 years if the Astros didn't fucking cheat and everybody in the world knows it. But I'm not going to get into that because then everybody's going to say I'm a hater and I can't accept what happened. Hey, we ain't fucking winning a long time. That's okay with me. But for y'all to be celebrating like you won the fucking Olympics of baseball, the World Baseball Classic and the World Series for the last 15 years, win an AL championship. You're a clown. You're a clown. You're truly one of the most historic franchises in which we have whooped your ass pretty much all of my existence. You just start getting good and you want to talk shit. Well, you didn't win the World Series. Congratulations, you went. Well, welcome to what we've experienced our entire existence. Well, when it comes down to it, it's what have you done for me lately? Agree. I'm not denying that. I'm because, not denying that. Because, my thing is they're talking shit 16 games in the year. Because here's the thing, though. Because we could talk about the Dallas Cowboys being a legendary franchise, but they haven't done anything in the last 25 years. I'm Agreed. just saying the Yankees Agreed. are on the Yankees are on a 10-year skid. They're on a 10-year skid right now. I mean, they're I'm, in I, I'm not I'm I'm not denying any of that. But for a franchise that has won nothing to talk to I'm, us is comical. I'm I'm just saying that you're using you're using a little bit of legacy to crutch the team right now. Bro, I could die. In 30, 70 years, we will forever have more championships than most franchises have in their sport. I ain't worried about it, bro. I ain't worried about it. So when an organization like the shitty-ass fucking Rays, the Devil Rays, the Tampa Bay Rays, what the fuck you want to call yourselves? Like, get the fuck out of here, bro. Like, go kick some rocks, bro. Your fucking shitty-ass fucking stadium, too. Fucking, I don't even remember the name of your damn state. It's so shitty, bro. Get the fuck out of here. Tropicana Field. Dog shit. I will give you that. It is. It's a pretty bad Don't stadium. Get the it, fuck it, out of here, man. Yeah, it's. I, I will give you that. But trash. The team that they fielded got to a World Series last year. That's more than. Congratulations! But you caught the L, bro. What does it matter? You caught the L. Both times you went, you caught the L. Congratulations! You went to two World Series in your whole existence, and you lost both. At least they got there last year. They got farther than the okay. Did. But what do we talk about in football? Just because you make the Super Bowl doesn't mean you won something. You lost at the end of the day, right? Hey, making it to the Super Bowl is still a big it's accomplishment. It's hard. It's hard. I'm just saying, like, granted, you know, obviously the goal is to win, Agreed. but to but to make it to the Super Bowl is quite an endeavor. Same thing Agreed. with the, making the World Series. So I will give a little bit of credit to the Rays. They made it to the World Series last year in a 60 game season. It's uh, hey, the Yankees had the same opportunity. Agree, and, and we didn't play well. And, I mean, we and, didn't play well. and you were the one that told me that the Rays looked like they had like three Cy Young 
award winners when they went up against the Yankees last year because that's how it bad didn't help that we swung at hot garbage. We did it to ourselves. It's good pitching, bro. You make us swing at hot garbage. Good that, pitching, man. I'm, I'm, this is why I didn't want to say it, but I had to because I just it, it was eating me up all day when I saw that in the middle of the day that they had tweeted that, and I'm sitting here like, bro, did you? Weren't y'all the ones that were sitting in the field like you were announcing your your defending worlds? Oh, you're defending AL champion, right? Because you couldn't capitalize at the end of the season. Oh, okay. I'm just I'm not even a race fan, but I can I can count two World Series appearances is more than the one than the Yankees World Series appearances in the last 15 years. I'm just saying. Two L's and we won ours. Two L's and we won ours. I'm anyway. Just I'm just saying. Two L's and we won ours. Yeah. Might as well bought a we're championship one one, with the team that you had. One for one, over two. All right. But with that said, you will transition into a more positive aspect of Major League Baseball. And that was the Dodgers and Padres matchup that we had over the weekend. We definitely saw a pretty intense three-game series between the Dodgers and the Padres this past weekend. Saw some saw some skirmishes between both teams, and both teams really put on a great display of just competitive baseball. Kev, let me just ask you this. Is this something that you want to see more, where you see a little bit more chippiness in in these games, where not necessarily the the players on either team are essentially buddy buddy with each other. They're they're going at each other trying to make the best game that they could possibly play against the team they're going up against. Bro, chippy sports will always be the best thing you can get. When 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 you're sitting there and you're in the batter's box and you got that that pitcher's number or vice versa, you know you're going to strike this guy out or you get on first base and you're not having a friendly conversation with the first baseman, you're sitting there, you're talking shit back and forth. It makes the game better. It makes it more exciting. It makes it like, yo, the next hit is going to maybe spark a fight. Maybe the next inside pitch, maybe the next, the next ball that was a little too close or off the plate might make the, you know, the, the, the benches clear, you know, maybe some bad calls by the ump will make, the, uh, the the managers kind of step up and step out of pocket. You know what I'm saying? Shit talking is always good. But in baseball, bro, chippy baseball is fun to watch, bro. Without chippy baseball, everybody's all buddy-buddy, like you said. Everybody's all cool and shit. Like, no, 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 no. Bro, I want to see division rivals like the Yankees and the Red Sox in the early 2000s and the 90s. Like, I want to see I want to see beef, bro. I'm not talking about I don't want people to fight. You know what I'm saying? I would love to watch it for entertainment purposes. But, bro, this weekend – and that Dodger Padres series of them constantly, like every game, there was something said, something exchanged, and there was just some, it would look to be bad blood formulating for the rest of the year. I loved it. Bro, the Padres have been the epitome of the worst team in baseball for so long. And within the last couple of years, the acquisitions of freaking Manny Machado, you um, Darvish, and lists of other players, bro. The 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 Padres are have kind of catapulted themselves back into not just relevance, but significance in the NL. And bro, they're playing the defending champion LA Dodgers. This is looking to be a very interesting year and a very interesting series going forward between these two clubs. And I couldn't be happier for it, bro. I'm, I'm here for that. I just thought it was cool that Fernando Tatis came back and hit a bomb after he was dealing with that shoulder injury that he dealt with in like the first week or two of the season. But it was like you said, I'm just kind of kind of piggyback off of what you said. I just, I like the competitive nature that you see between these two teams. It makes it exciting. It makes it compelling. And look, I imagine these two teams are going to be fighting it out the entire year. Obviously the Dodgers are coming off a world series last year. They're pretty much considered the best team in baseball by a mile. They're 13 and three. 
the Padres are not too far behind. They're 10 and seven. But with these two teams going back and forth in the NL West, it's going to make it for a fun year. And granted, you know, I don't want to see to the point like where there's, there's just fist fights like all the time. Yeah, no, 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 nothing like that. But some friendly competition, some chippiness, some a little bit of chirping every now and then. I think it's great. I love it. And I'll tell you what. I don't know if you get to see some of the uh, the highlights from the Padres game, but Don Orsillo, he used to be the former commentator for the Boston Red Sox. Dude, he is freaking dynamite for the San Diego Padres. When um, I forget who the pitcher was that threw that no-hitter the other day, but that was the first no-hitter for the Padres franchise, and he was going nuts, and I loved it. Kind of similar to what we talked about with, Charlotte, the Charlotte Hornets in the NBA and their announcers and just the excitement and the level of just passion that's behind their commentary. I love it. It's the same thing with Don Orsillo and the Padres. And man, I'll tell you this though. It's going to be must-see baseball when these two teams go at it for the rest of the year. Oh yeah. They're going to play some really solid games, whether it's in, in the middle of the season, towards the end of the season. And don't be surprised that if we see these teams go at it at the end of the day, sometime in the NL playoffs, to kind of see who will move on into the next round of the playoffs. I, For me, I'm here for it. And it's, oh, very, doubt. it's very rare that I get this excited about baseball. Because baseball, one thing that's great about baseball is playing it. Watching it can be a little bit of a struggle. However, with these two teams going at it the way that they've been going at it to start out this year already, man, I want to see more of it. I love it. Oh, dude, like I said, chippy baseball is fun. I just, you don't really see it much anymore unless there's like, like I said, unless there's like a, a questionable pitch or there's issues with the umpires with bad calls and whatnot, or like, you know, there's maybe a little bit of shit talking like after a walk-off or, you know, when I'm, oh, not a walk-off. After a hitter has like a, a, a no doubt home run with a bat flip, We've yep. all seen plenty of arguments and fights that pitchers take that offensive. I think they're, I think those, those, I think those players are soft. I mean, you literally gave up a home run to which it was an absolute no doubt bomb and you're getting defended because he flipped the bat. I get it. There's unwritten rules of baseball and things that you should and should not do, but bro, come on, man. If you were in his shoes, like those pitchers, like if the pitchers were able to, to hit bombs like that, they would do the same thing. So it's just like, I, I don't know. Baseball recently has gotten a little soft. And it, it, we all know that Rob Manfred has been kind of running a, a, a bullshit league lately, especially with the, this whole situation of runners starting on second and whatnot. Plus, you know, his whole mindset with COVID and everything like that. But anyway, um, no, chippy baseball is good for the sport. It makes people want to watch it. It makes people remember like, oh, shit, last series a couple of weeks ago or last week, they were going at it. What's going to happen this year? Uh, baseball ratings obviously have been going down every year because like you said, it's not the funnest thing in the world to watch. It does get a little boring. It can get a little dragged out. So, I mean, any, 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 any upside to the sport is a good thing. And I think adding a little fuel right now is going to maybe jumpstart the rest of the season because there have been a lot of entertaining games, man. The two or three no-hitters this season already. Some teams that are not necessarily known for being as good as they are. I mean, like the Reds are back in relevance. Like the Mets are leading their division as they normally do in the beginning of the year who end up folding and ended up sucking mad dick at the end. Um, sorry, no jab at Mets fans. It's just, you know, you guys always talk shit because you're 
you lead the division with the first like month or two. And then like you guys have an absolute downfall. Um, but yeah, no, I love baseball. I'm happy baseball's in the full swing of things. Am I happy the Yankees are playing good, uh, playing bad? No, but the league itself is, is in a good place right now. And I, I couldn't be happier right now. I just got a team though, bro. They got a freaking Justin Turner out here batting 404 already. 404. 404. I, I mean, Mookie Betts is batting a solid 273. I, I mean, Mookie Betts is the second best baseball player in the league right now. Fight me about it because and, we all know Mike Trout is the greatest and, baseball player. They got some aces with Clayton Kershaw and Trevor Bauer. I'm telling you, this this team could go bat to bat. I'm bro. aware. I'm aware. Very well aware of how good the Dodgers are. Trust me. But I tell you I what, am. I tell you what, though. Padres got some hitters, though. Oh, Padres yeah. got some players. Tatis and Manny and whatnot. I, you couldn't be couldn't be more right. Yeah, I, and you know what? I'll tell you this. I think the Padres got the mentality to, to go at the Dodgers, too. I don't know if they necessarily had the firepower that the Dodgers do, but I think as far as their mentality goes, that chippy element that they bring to the game, I think it'll definitely help them in the long run. I don't know if it's going to carry them over the Dodgers as far as their standing goes in the NL West, but it certainly makes it compelling for sure. No, without a doubt. I mean, the fact that this team has legitimately gone through the ringer between back-to-back World Series losses, and then you go and win a World Series this year, you, you, re- you for the most part, keep the team the same this year. You basically reload and then improve your starting pitching. Mm-hmm with the addition of Trevor Bauer and you coming at this, the, the, you, you coming into this season hot right now with 13 wins leading the league and with the best record, bro, the Dodgers are at on pace to, to do what we haven't seen in a long time. And that's a repeat. And I mean, again, we've, we've said it a multitude of times. It's a long season, but man, the Dodgers are, are, are the team to beat right now. And I, I could not be more happy for them because of, how they were robbed and in, in those two world series, both teams actually being caught with cheating. Like we said a couple of weeks ago in our what if segment, but um, I, I'm, I'm super happy that they're finally getting a chance to succeed and that they got their championship last year. I mean, that team is just dripping in confidence and you could see it as you should, as you should. Are you kidding me? Mookie Betts, Corey Seager, freaking Justin Turner. I mean, <laughs> what else do you want to say? On, like, what else do you need Come to say? That, that team is just, they're hooping. Yeah. They're hooping. They have one player batting under 200. And that player it only has like 26 at-bats. Like, what is this? Edwin Rios. He only has 12 games played with 26 at-bats. So he's nowhere near the rest of the team. Like, everybody that actually plays, I think, is batting over 230, which, again, isn't anything crazy, but. Better than anything the Yankees got because they got four guys batting under 200. Without a doubt. Excuse me, because I think my dog is currently eating his bed and we're going to have some problems live. So I don't think he understands he cannot eat his bed. I'm just telling you, like, Kev, with this dog, you're going to have to understand that he's going to eat everything in the house. It doesn't matter what you think he shouldn't eat, whether it's your bed, whether it's your table, whether it's your socks. Wait till he gets into your socks, bro. That that's going to be the next thing in a couple months. Well, I don't play when it comes to my 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 clothes because I don't like when my clothes are out on the floor or anything like that. So there's no way he's unless he physically climbed into my dresser, 
It's not possible. That's perfectly fine with the way that you think, but that's not what he thinks. He sees that as a possible well, chew toy. Yeah, but he's in his crate now, so we're good to go. He was, in fact, actually nibbling at the bed that my parents got him two weeks ago, and he ripped the tag off, and he actually got some of the fucking cotton out from under it, so I'll clean wait, that up later. Wait, wait till you – listen, bro. Like, when it comes to the toys that you got for him – they're pretty much going to be the, they're going to be the same result as what basically you just saw with his bed. The toys, the toys are fine. The toys are, that's what they're meant to be. Chew toys, the beaten up, he's teething. That's totally okay. What's upsetting is he doesn't understand the difference of a toy and his bed right now. He literally shredded a corner of the bed in which he has been sleeping on perfectly for the last two weeks, like I said. And then he rips the tag off of it somehow that was stitched on yeah so i'm sitting here like what are you doing i heard a weird pulling noise through my airpod thankfully i didn't have noise cancellation mode on because he probably would have destroyed a mattress and i would have never heard it but we have to get back to the episode guys again i deeply apologize so um we're gonna go to the next topic which is gonna be the nba um which has been our hottest topic for quite some time so obviously we have the Boston Celtics on an absolute tear. The New York Knicks are on an absolute tear right now. Both teams on six game winning streaks in the Eastern Conference catapulting their way up the rankings. And Kyle, I got to ask you, man, we both know the Celtics were in a very dark place a little over two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And man, have they turned it around. And then obviously the Knicks, I, from, from what I see on Twitter, I feel like New York made a deal with the devil and it's like one team's got to be good and one team's got to suck. And like the Yankees and Knicks were like swapped souls because I haven't seen the Knicks this good since Mello was there in 2013. What, what do you think's going on, bro? In Boston, New York, these teams are hot. Well, let me talk about Boston for, for a little bit here. Um, Boston, I think is going to take a page or they have taken a page out of the Brooklyn Nets playbook is basically just score. Because the Celtics defensively are just not going to be up to par this year. They're going to give up at least 110 points in the process for most of these games outside of maybe uh, an outlier game here or there. But with that said, though, that means more possessions. And you're seeing Boston take advantage of that, specifically with two players, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. These two dudes are hooping right now. And that's an understatement. We just saw... Jason Tatum go toe to toe with Steph Curry, who's the best shooter in the game, arguably the best shooter in NBA history, go toe to toe with him and put up 44 points in a comeback win against the Warriors this past weekend. It was a sensational game. If you guys didn't have a chance to watch that Warrior Celtics game from this past weekend, man, you guys missed out on a fantastic game. Warriors were up by like 15 at one point going into the second quarter. And then Boston, they slowly chip away back into the game in the second half. And it's just a back and forth game between both teams in the end of the fourth quarter. The Boston ends up getting the dub over the Warriors, but it was just a sensational game. But the one thing that really stood out to me was just the offensive output from the Celtics. And over these last six games that they've been on with this winning streak, is that they've been scoring. Granted, they're giving up a lot of points in the process. I think the only game that they didn't give up 100 points was, I believe, against the Denver Nuggets back, I believe it was last Sunday. 
They only gave up 87 points in the process. But you look at all these other games that they've been playing in, they're giving up at least 100. So maybe this is the way that they could be a competitive team in the Eastern Conference is just shoot the lights out against any team that they're going up against. Because I'm be honest with you, this team defensively is just not strong. And I, I think the only way that they're going to be able to be a decent team going into the Eastern Conference playoffs this year is if they're shooting 45, 50% from the field consistently as a team and they're scoring 110 plus in the process. That's how I kind of see it. And I thought about Boston for a little bit. Let me get your thoughts on New York since you mentioned them. I mean, I think that Julius Randle is on an absolute tear. I believe him and Steph just got players of the week for their respective conferences. Julius Randle scored 30-plus points in, I believe, four or five consecutive games. He had 33 last night. He had 44 against the Mavs on Friday night. And the list kind of goes on and on. The supporting cast is playing very, very, very well. Obviously, the acquisition of Derrick Rose in his second state in New York has paid off. Emmanuel quickly has been playing great basketball, the rookie out of Kentucky. And, I mean, the list kind of goes on, man. They're playing very cohesive and very uh, effective basketball right now. Tom Thibodeau has completely changed the culture in New York for the better. Um, And a lot of people are forgetting they're missing their defensive anchor, their Mitchell Robinson. And they're still going out there doing everything that they need to do. Um, I'm happy for the city of New York. Again, obviously, everyone knows I'm a Mavs fan through and through. But when the Knicks win, it's just it's the city's attitude is so much better. The 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 city's vibe is just a lot right now. And I, I wish I was home to kind of experience. The, like I said, the Knicks haven't been this good in almost 10 years. So to see them flourishing and, you know, fighting to get into those playoffs. Obviously, they're at the sixth seed right now. They're tied with Boston at, with the same record, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's like 31 and 27 or 31 and 26, uh, 31 and 26 for the Celtics and then 31 and 27 for the Knicks. So they're about a half game behind the Celtics. Um, dude, they're just, there really isn't much to say other than hooping. Like they're playing great. They're on a six game win streak, seven and three in their last 10. And it's really led by the charge of Julius Randle just playing absolutely out of his damn mind. I mean, like I said, over 30 points in four or five games. He's not just scoring. He's rebounding. He's passing. He's playing great defense. And he's become their go-to guy. He's become their their focal point, the guy that they want shooting at the last second. And he's been doing it on all ends of the floor. Free throws, taking it to the basket, mid-range jump shots, shooting three ball effectively. And he's just a force down low. We all know the force that he was in Kentucky and the potential that he showed in certain flashes in uh, in, in L.A., and then obviously what he was doing out there in New Orleans got him the contract that New York gave him, but he had a, a little bit of a rough season last year, but he's just turned it around and he's become that, that dominant force that the Knicks wanted him to be. And bro, they're, they're, they're playing great basketball. They're, they're obviously one of the better teams in the league defensively, but when it comes down to it as well, they're playing great on the offensive end as well. And I think that that's in part of, you know, the, 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 the acquisitions of Julius Randle, Taj Gibson, and uh, Derek Rose, man, they're just they're just doing great. They're playing phenomenal. Couldn't be happier for them. It's almost kind of like a, a light version of the Chicago Bulls back in the day, just with the pieces that are on that team. Like you said, and Tom Thibodeau as the coach, you get Derek Rose and Taj Gibson. But let me just ask you How this. How can I forget? RJ Barrett is on his team. I'm so sorry, everybody. I was literally thinking, I was like, yo, I'm missing a big name, and I can't remember who it is. RJ Barrett has been hooping to a level of, like his sophomore year has been 
exponentially better than his freshman year. Like, like, yo, he the, shout out to RJ Barrett, man. The, the lefty out of Duke bettered his jump shot this offseason. He's been playing effective basketball, and he's one of the better players in this NBA season in, in clutch moments in the fourth quarter. I believe he's like five of ten in the last minute or last two minutes of uh, of regulation, and he's shooting incredible from the field this season as well. So huge, huge, huge shout out to RJ Barrett. I gotta ask you though, and be real with me. Uh, be real with me for a second here. Did you think that Julius Randle was capable of this type of play? Like where he no, was just not going con- not out? consistently, no. Yeah, because like you said, I, I saw flashes from Julius Randle when he was on the Lakers. I didn't think he was capable of this, though. Going out there and just balling out. I think you mentioned, like, he's – I think he dropped what – I know this is going to be – don't take this as insulting because it was against the Mavs. He did drop 44 on you guys. Yeah, bro, he cooked us. And, and every then, facet of the way cooked. And then, I mean, you've looked over the last week, like you mentioned, he's been scoring 30-plus in damn near every game that he's played in. Bro, him and, and Steph, so, are, they, they must, they're in like a mental competition of, yo, Julius scored 30, I'm going to score 30 today. Yo, yo, Steph scored 40, all right, I'm going to score 44. That's what it, I think is happening. They're it's going a, off. It's just, where did he get the this confidence to just shoot this well, though? I'm just like thinking, like, was, uh, it just the, was it just the move to New York and he finally just got a fire under his ass to go out and play stellar basketball? I don't know. He wasn't playing that good last season, though. So it's like, I know a lot of Knicks fans at the start of the season kind of wanted his head because Julius had that effect, or should I say that that that, that mentality of, I'm going to keep shooting no matter how bad I am. He had that mentality of, you know, if, if you don't shoot, you're losing, or whatever that saying is, I got to put up a thousand shots, got to make one. I don't know. I'm not one for, uh, for, for, for quotes like that and shit. But anyway, and then Julius Randle kind of hit a point in the season where he was starting to hit those shots he started to take. And then he started to do it consistently. And his points per game started to go up. And then he started getting teammates involved. I mean, for God's sakes, he had 10 assists last night against the Pelicans. He had 33, 10, and 5 at the 4. Like, what power forward do you know is out here putting up numbers like that? And shooting extremely well from the field. Exactly. So, I mean, I, I don't I don't necessarily know when he got this confidence um, there was a story that came out, I believe, last week that had said something about him being in Detroit in the offseason. And then he was asking uh, a high school, a local high school in Detroit was open and available for him to kind of work out. And the guy said the last person that was ever in this building to do what you're doing right now was Kobe. And he, like Julius, like started tearing up and whatnot. And he said he got feeling a little bit of goosebumps because Kobe was the one that got him in that mentality to grind harder get up earlier work harder and just he's actually now doing that on a consistent basis but he's apparently bringing his Knicks teammates and getting them in the mentality of grind and practice and grind and practice and it's rubbing off on them man like 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 we both said the Knicks are playing at a very very good pace right now and at the right time and with the postseason pretty much being just a shy a month a little bit over a month away if the Knicks can maintain this I wouldn't be surprised if they could take a top three seed because we're, if we're looking at these standings, bro, like I said, the Knicks and the Celtics are a half game apart, and the Hawks are tied with the Knicks for the four, uh, the, for the with the Celtics for the four seed at thirty one and twenty six, and the Bucks are only four games in front of the Hawks. Top three, I think. I'm just saying, it's top three stretching I, it a little I, bit. Hey, man, you never know if someone goes on a skid if if the if the Knicks continue to stay hot. I'm saying they have the potential to take a top three seed. Are they going to? 
I don't know. I don't think so. But, dude, I can't sleep on a team that's this consistent. They went on a little lull in the middle of the season, but they picked it right back up. So, kudos to the boys. I, I know you're a Mavs fan through and through, but can you at least definitely feel the excitement if you were from New York just with how successful the Knicks have been this season? 100%. I don't think people understand, like, the city of New York – is an emotional place. It's a very, very strong, very, very rugged and stubborn place. So, you know, when the city is not doing well, you know, obviously COVID, people were getting evicted. Um, the city wasn't really doing too well. The, there wasn't really many sports going around. You know, the Giants and the Jets weren't very good. Uh, the Knicks started off a little slow. Um, dude, when Knicks basketball is and, and, and the Yankees and the Mets and like everybody's like doing great, bro, the city's undefeated. The electricity that that that, that the sport teams in the city do, like that they bring that energy, that vibe is almost unmatchable. Like it's almost unfathomable. Like when 9-11 happened and the Yankees went all the way to the World Series, bro, the, the city like rallied with the team. And, bro, the emotions were ridiculous. Like, when we lost that series, bro, we were we were heartbroken as it, New York. It, it, it wasn't just the city that was behind the Yankees after that after 9-11. The whole country was behind the Yankees. And so, trust uh, me, trust me, there are a lot of people that felt some sort of way about the Diamondbacks winning that, that World Series. It was – I mean, we all know what happened in that. That was Mariano Rivera making that error throw behind him in second base. But, you know, we've already talked about baseball, so. I'm just I'm just um, saying, though, like that the whole country was behind the Yankees, especially when baseball dude, came back after 9-11. Talk, talking about it, like, gets me, like, emotional because it's like I remember, like, everything about that series, like, everything. And being so fucking close – to winning and being at the pinnacle of the top where we needed it most, like just the thought of like being there, like, Oh my God, we're about to win the world series. My dad was like, yo, we're going to go to the parade. We're going to figure it out. We're going to be okay. Like we're going to turn this around. The Yankees are going to win it for us. I'll never forget those conversations with my pop. And like when we lost, bro, it's like a piece of me were, like was broken. Like the city, the city fell into like a, a, a like a lull, like a, like a, like a sad, fucking just heartbreaking heart ripping out of your chest moment kind of like a layer of despair yeah like it was like we obviously recovered because it's it's sports it wasn't like another yeah, 9-11 exactly. that would happen again. Get but the hopes and dreams that we had behind that as like the only positive news since that had happened for it to not come to fruition it broke our hearts man so so when new york city teams are doing good when the knicks the yankees the the the, the, the fucking the, the mets the giants the jets when when the teams are doing good everybody in new york is good i promise you the vibes right now down by madison square garden are probably unmatched it's just it's due i'll say this new york is due for a championship it's been a while it's been a while 1970 since 1970 something right well, no no I'm, so, I'm, 1974 i'm not even saying with the knicks i'm just saying about like just the new york greater area when it comes to all oh, the yeah. sports. Oh, yeah. Haven't won a championship since the Giants won the Super Bowl in 2011. Yeah, so I think New York is definitely due for a uh, – is Something. due for some sort of title. And to be to be honest with you, the only team that's actually really looking good, like as far as like a title contending team, is not even in New York City. It's in Buffalo with the Bills. Yeah. So and The reason why I keep not mentioning Brooklyn is because Brooklyn was in New Jersey for so many years – Oh yeah, that's true. In my mind, I 
I cannot accept them being in Brooklyn. I respect the team. I respect the organization. But to call it a New York team, like, I just, I just, I can't do it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's just, I just I, can't. Listen, I dropped the ball there because I, I do kind of get the sense that the Nets are still New Jersey. It's, it, I know they're the Brooklyn Nets. I, I get that. It's just that for so long, I've always associated them being in New Jersey. It's just, you know how many games I went weird. to the IZOD Center? Like, I just – I haven't been to Barclays yet. I haven't been to MSG since I was a kid. So, it's like – I I've heard nothing but good things about the Barclays Center. A lot of my friends go there. A lot of my friends have been Nets fans since we were kids. So, it's not like the fact that they're in Brooklyn, they're not Nets fans. It's just – bro, like, to me, it's just – they have to be here for so long before they can, like, join in on that vibe – yeah. Then it's like, I, I don't know, man. It is different because people would say I'm hypocritical because the Giants and the Jets were right across the street from each other with the Nets in Jersey. But it's like, I don't know how to really compare it. There's not really much of an excuse because they are technically the New Jersey Giants and Jets. But the energy that the Jets and Giants bring to the city when they win is insane. And the Jets haven't won in a long fucking time. So when the yeah. Giants win, bro, the I don't think I've ever seen the city go crazier than when the Giants beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl because of how that happened. I mean, I'm talking about the first one, the undefeated well, the season. Yeah. Dude, the city erupted. I know. Trust me. I bet. I bet they did. So, so you know, to do it again was great. But, I mean, I, th- I, think, I, really do think the, I really do think the first one is what had everybody like, oh, my fucking God, we just won the Super Bowl. And they hadn't won the Super Bowl since, like, the 80s. So that was like insane. And then who they beat and how they beat the Giants won the Super Bowl in the 90s. I thought their last Super Bowl was 1987 with Lawrence Taylor and Phil Simms. I believe that was in the 90s. Hmm. We shall look this up live because I think I'm probably wrong. Because it was the Persian Gulf War. And I remember Whitney Houston was singing the national anthem in Tampa. And I believe that was in the. 1991, but it was 87 also. So I skipped the year. Damn, the fact that I knew it was 87 was crazy. Yeah, good. Shit. You were close. You, got, you were half right. I'm both. Yeah. But like I said, you know, New York vibes when the sports teams are winning, unmatched. Bro, like, it's not even close. Granted, when the Lakers won last year, probably uncomparable. So I will not what do you go mean? anywhere near LA. What do you mean? Oh, well, like I will, when, I will when, say when this. When they won and Kobe and everything like that last well, year, I, LA went off. There, wa- there wasn't an official parade that didn't stop no. the city from going nuts, though. I, that's what I was about to say. The city still went crazy. The emotions flying, the murals, the fucking celebrations. Like, nobody gave a shit about a pandemic because they, like, the city of Los Angeles felt like they won for their boy. I'll tell you this, though. You got to give Miami a lot of credit for them getting to the finals last year. And dude, I don't know if you saw any of the videos coming out of like East Miami, East Miami in particular, dude, they were going nuts. Like the amount of people that were honking their horns at lights or just on the road when the heat were going to the finals, the city was behind that team. I don't know. If it was they should the, be. I don't know if it was to the degree of what LA was when they won the championship. I would probably think it's not the same, but still, the fact that Miami was going above and beyond to really voice their support for that team last year, despite not being able to go any of the go to any of the games, gotta give some credit for that. Agreed. No, I mean big cities typically show out, man. No disrespect to the smaller communities, you know, like Kansas City and all those other places. But it's like, bro, when when New York, L.A., Chicago, Miami, like mm-hmm. 
when their teams do good, you don't ever see a lack of people in the area. You always see an overflow or an abundance. Listen, so it's it, kind of crazy. It, ra- it raises the spirit of the entire city. Hell, it can mm-hmm. raise the entire spirit of the state, depending on where you are. Yeah, man. So it's 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 insane. And, you know, uh, I'm happy to say that I was, like I said earlier in the, in the episode, I was alive for a lot of World Series growing up. And obviously I was alive for the Giants Super Bowls. So, I mean, I, I'm granted I'm not a Giants fan, but to to feel that energy come from Manhattan and, and, and all the other boroughs kind of come together, it, it was great, man. It's, it's a good feeling that I do miss. And I say it every time. For a lot of my friends, I've said it to you a multitude of times. If the Yankees were to win the World Series, I'm going fucking home for the parade because I want to feel that again. I bro, want to know. I want. I want to just have that joy in me again. Bro, if you told me that you weren't going to the Yankees parade if they win the World Series, I'm personally buying you the ticket to go up there. Like, don't it's, th- it needs to? It needs to yeah. be done. Like, it just there it's, is no ifs ands or buts, man. It's just a, a New York City championship parade is. It's something. It's something. Bro, I got it's goosebumps. It's, it's crazy. So, it's something else, bro. I, I'll give you it's that. It's crazy. But we'll keep it in New York. We'll keep it within the NBA. Do you have to talk a little bit about the Brooklyn Nets, not the New Jersey Nets? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the amount of injuries that are plaguing this team. Kevin Durant is now out once again, dealing with a thigh contusion. Um, he was out for tonight's game. And Kevin, let me just ask you this. With just the amount of injuries that you see on this team, whether it's been with Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant, and a litany of other players on this roster, do you think that these injuries could potentially affect their their playoff performance once they get into the playoffs in about a month or so? Um, definitely. Uh, and mainly because when you have superstars that have been out for some time, it's going to take them time to kind of get at accolated back in their grooves, you know, get them comfortable again. Um, depending on the significance of their injury, I would assume when James gets back, he might be in a little bit of a minute restriction because we're talking about a hamstring. Um, Kevin Durant has been unfortunately battered and bruised throughout this entire season between being out for COVID twice. Um, I believe his hamstring and now yeah. bruised thigh and, and, and again, a litany of other injuries, uh, and so on and so forth. So first and foremost, that messes with their, their mental and their consistency of like, they got to get back in their groove physically. They have to get back on the court and acclimated to the, 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 the physicality of getting back into the groove completely. And then, you know, team wise, bro, chemistry, like bro, James has been out for a while. Kyrie's been in and out of the lineup for personal reasons. Katie's been in and out for personal reasons and now injuries again for the three of them haven't been on the court together for a while. And that is rough, especially considering a lot of your other teammates have been out as well. Blake Griffin, while Marcus retired, Spencer Dinwiddie has been out for almost half the year, if not a little bit more. So, I mean, dude, we're, we're talking like half their roster has been hurt up and down all season long. So this definitely could come back to bite them come playoff time. Will they lose the first round? I'm not saying that, but yes, it definitely can affect them for sure. And yeah, I still think that this team is a finals contending team. I just yeah, still see it that yeah. way. It's just unless the Knicks take them out, which would throw the city into a chaos. That's cap. That's cap. Oh no 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 I don't, I, no no no! See you don't you don't you don't have the Twitter followers I do. Everybody in every Knicks fan wants the smoke with Brooklyn in the playoffs. Every real Knicks fan wants it to be in the Eastern Conference Finals because they said if we beat the Nets, 
with all of that help, there is no excuse. And Brooklyn can never talk again about who is the king of teams in New York. I mean, I'll bro, tell you I'm telling you, bro, I got people begging for this to happen. Bro, the Knicks are on the street right now, and all my boys are like, we want Brooklyn. We want Brooklyn. Brooklyn ain't shit. Like, that rivalry has always been there as Nick and Net fans, like, before they the transition to, to Brooklyn. But now that it's actually within the boroughs, bro, that hatred has grown immensely. And, you know, these, these groups of people don't like each other, bro. I'm telling you, if they match up in the postseason, I'm watching every game because somebody getting clocked. <laughs> they don't like each other, bro. I'm, I'm dead serious, man. That's a New York insider right there. That's me telling you as a New Yorker and because I still got my ties back home, bro, they want the beef and they want the smoke in every way. I mean, I don't think the players are going to go out and physically fight. If the fans want to oh, do it, might. that's fine. Oh, they might. They might. You forget KD, the whole thing about him and Kyrie coming to New York and then they ended up going to Brooklyn instead. Bro, the Knicks and Nets don't like each other. They never have. Oh, I don't disagree about that. It's just that is it going to spill over to where you're going to see them really going at it, though? I don't know, but I want to see it. I mean, I'll tell you what, though. It would be definitely an enticing matchup to see those two go at it in the playoffs. I'll be in a seven game. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'd be there for that. So I'm fucking watching every game, dude. If you could put if you could pair those teams up and put the freaking Charlotte Hornets announcers, I mean, it'd be. Be nuts! I'd love it. That, that's not gonna that's happen. Popcorn basketball. That's not popcorn gonna, basketball. I, I, the the announcer part isn't gonna happen, but I'd be there for it. It's the just that could be to, to get back onto the Nets though. Look, even though that I think they're still a Finals contending team, I'm not gonna sit here and say that this team is perfect. This team is far from perfect. If there's one thing that told me that this team could be in a little bit of trouble. It's just their depth. You saw LaMarcus Aldridge retire a couple of days ago. And in one of the games that he was playing in, he was getting bodied by LaMarcus, by uh, Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond. I mean, it was nuts. They just don't have anybody to defend the paint. Whether it they go up against the Knicks potentially in a playoff series, if they get if they have to go up against Philly, though, Philly's gonna give them some problems because Joel Embiid is gonna be a monster against that team. But if KD, Kyrie, and James are all on the court, or at least two of them, I think that team still is good enough to get out of the Eastern Conference just because of the overwhelming firepower that those three players present to whatever team they're going up against. I think think they're going to go through a little bit of a struggle stretch for probably the next week. Um, I don't know who's going to come back first between between either James or Kevin Durant. I would like to think that KD would probably come back sometime next week. I think he's probably going to take this week off. I mean, who knows? I, they've been dealing with injuries the entire year, and they've been – listen, I'm not going to say that they haven't had the injuries that they've had. It's just that, to me, they have really seemed to milk those injuries longer than I think you and I would have expected them to be out for. But – at some point, you had to be available to be on the court. And it was like you said, the three of them have had limited time playing with each other this entire year. So I think the chemistry issues could be one to kind of pay attention to, especially as we get to the last maybe two, three weeks of the season. And look, it, it's one thing if you're hurt. Injuries are just a part of the game. 
But what comes along with it is, you know, you're going to have to have your depth step up and try to make up the production from your starters and your superstars not being in the game. And the Nets don't have a lot of wiggle room here. They don't have the depth from six to 10 to carry this team. They granted they're top heavy. That one through five is solid, but they're going to need to have some depth players really step up here because if those guys can't stay healthy with KD, James and Kyrie, there's going to be some issues with this team as far as just overall health. And I don't know if it's going to necessarily translate into them getting bounced out of the playoffs early, but it's something to pay attention to for sure. Oh yeah. No. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm literally looking at this roster and I'm like outside of that starting five and Blake Griffin. And, you know, I'm literally looking at, I'm, I'm looking at Jeff Green, Landry Shamit, Bruce Brown, Nicholas Claxton, Tyler Johnson, if that's who you have to fall on because your star three can't stay healthy, I mean, I would say Brooklyn's probably in trouble. No disrespect to Steve Nash or the talent of any of those players that I just named. But if you're looking at this Eastern Conference and how competitive it's turning out to be this latter of the, the season, I would say Brooklyn needs to worry more than they're thinking because if you can't get KD and Harden back on that court and you're relying solely upon Kyrie Irving to carry the load with a bunch of injury-ridden out-of-prime players like Blake and DeAndre and Jeff Green, that seems like a tall task for anybody. And, you know, I don't know if Brooklyn's going to be poised to make a postseason run if the other two players can't stay on the court. Fair enough. I still think they're going to probably finish as the top two seed in the Eastern Conference. I don't think anything's going to change. That's not, Nothing's going to change about that. I think this team is still going to be top of the Eastern Conference when it's all said and done. It's either going to be – them or Philly is the number one seed. It's really just a two-man yeah, race at this point. They're going back and, and forth. Because I, I, I don't think the Bucks. I don't think they're going to make a shot to get to the number one seed. I just I don't see it. Granted, Milwaukee has been playing better in the second half of the Big season time. than they than they did in the first half. But I think for the top two seeds, it's really just between Brooklyn and Philly. I will say this though: if Brooklyn faces Philly at any point in the playoffs there's a very big potential that Philly is going to win that series simply just because of the mismatch that Joel Embiid brings to the table against anybody the Nets try to put him against defensively. There is nobody that can defend Joel Embiid down low on that team. Nobody. And I know your mouth is dropped. So what do you got to say? Staff dropped 49 tonight. Did they win? Yeah. Stop it right now, Steph! Stop it! Oh my god! Man, a point away from fifty, bro. He scored forty points last three games. He really is pulling the Kobe right now. Yeah, I, this is really this is ridiculous. God, they came back, bro. Holy, Holy shit! Wow. Excuse me. He has forty in the last two games. But still, I know I just changed the whole topic. I just got the update. I got the drop down on SportsCenter, and I was like, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. They came back, and then I hit the box score, and I see 4-9. I said, oh, my God, he almost had 50 again. 
He's just nuts, dude. I, I don't know what else you want me to say about this guy. Bro, he scored 40 in three of the last four games. You know, you know what's crazy, dude? There were only three players in double figures for the Warriors. Only three. And Steph dropped 50. Steph dropped 50. Andrew like, had 40. He had Andrew had 16 in 42 minutes. And then Damian Lee had 12 and 32 minutes. So you're telling me Andrew Wiggins played five more minutes and only accumulated 16 points. <laughs> I can't. Bro, I can't do this right now. I just can't, bro. We do we do enough episodes about stuff. What's the last topic, man? I can't do this right now. Ben Simmons didn't play, though. And Tobias Harris didn't play either. I don't give a shit. He still dropped 50, Kyle. It's not easy. You want me to go buy you a Steph jersey, my guy? Because, man, you have been just riding off. It's not my fault. No, it's not my fault. It fell, it dropped down on my laptop, and I was like, oh, damn, they came back. Let me click and see what Steph Dude, you've been freaking, you've been just wearing freaking Steph's cape around you, bro. Like, it's ridiculous. I just, I don't, bro, I I really, I don't fucking know, man. I would never wear it. You gotta, it'd be cool to own it though. Yeah, I mean, I just to say that I have it. Yeah, I mean, it, it would sit in the closet. I'd probably wait till he retires. It's just, I don't, know stopped, the bag. I don't know how he stopped that guy. You have to trap him the entire game and just hope to God that, you know, one of their other shooters doesn't pop off. I see, if it were up to me, I would just double him the entire game. Let Andrew score 40. I don't care. I'm not letting Steph get 50 can't like i just all right so so the last topic of the day um is the retirement of alex smith quarterback out of utah uh drafting 2005 had a pretty relatively solid career um obviously his first seven years were in san francisco those five were in kansas city and his final two or three were in washington um kyle i just wanted to ask you uh throughout the entire career of alex smith is i don't know 15 16 year career what are, uh, what are your thoughts on him, man? What, what, do you, what do you think about him? The best way that I can describe his career is really just a roller coaster ride. At the beginning of his career in San Francisco, it was a little bit of a bumpy ride. And necessarily things weren't going the way I think, I think a lot of San Francisco fans and the organization thought it would have gone. However, he was able to kind of rectify that in his last couple of years in San Francisco believe he got them to was it a divisional round uh playoff game kind of like against the, the Packers of, right that shootout I think it was towards the end of his tenure with the San Francisco yeah uh, he, uh, he, did, he did that game uh, he threw he, he threw he the played, game winner to okay. Vernon Davis he threw the game winner to yes, Vernon Davis yes 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 and then I think he also had that oh was it Colin Kaepernick that had the game against the Giants for the Super Bowl I think that was uh Colin Kaepernick that wasn't Alex Smith because the, you mentioned the Packers game. That was Colin Kaepernick. No, it, no, no, no. That's that's 2011. That's when the Giants won. 13 oh, and, oh, you're, 13 and three. Okay, I thought you were talking that about. Was, I thought you were talking about um, Colin Kaepernick against the Packers. That was my bad. No, 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 no. I I, I remembered the Packers game, but then I was like, that was Col- that was a uh, Colin Kaepernick. But the 2011 one was definitely Alex Smith. Yeah, that was definitely Alex Smith for sure. Um, yeah. But just to kind of get back onto my point here, yeah, the best way that I could describe Alex Smith's career. It's just a roller coaster ride. I thought he had a decent stretch towards the end of his run, like I said, when he was playing with the San Francisco 49ers. 
he had a pretty solid stretch with Kansas City, even though that they never really made any sort of major progression into the playoffs. Usually it's because they ran into New England. Um, I still thought he was a decent quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. And then obviously when he was playing with the Washington football team, things definitely kind of went out of control after he broke his leg and had that gruesome compound fracture. I mean, to be quite honest with you, the fact that he was able to come back from that and play last year and win comeback player of the year, that to me is his biggest accomplishment throughout his entire career. Because to me, that is a career-ending injury to pretty much the majority of players that sustain that type of injury. And the fact that he was able to come back and get that team to a playoff team, to to at least get that team to the playoffs, it is kind of a testament to his character. And just that dude is just tough. I mean, I wouldn't have blamed him if, if he retired after that leg injury that he had. But the fact that he came back, and to be quite honest with you, it was pretty uncomfortable watching Washington football games last year simply just because I just don't want to see another injury to that leg again. And there was the thing I just couldn't get out of my head when he's out there on the field, just the potential of, I just, I hope to God he doesn't injure that same leg again, because if if he does, dude, there might've been a very good chance that he would have lost his leg. I mean, he damn near lost his leg dealing with the complications from the surgery after he broke it. The fact that he he was able to come back and win comeback player of the year after everything that he went through, man, that's, that's great, bro. What more do you want to, what more do you want me to say about the guy? That to me is his biggest accomplishment. The fact that he was able to come back from that and get Washington to the playoffs last year. You have to give, you have to give the guy a little bit of kudos for that because I don't think anybody would have had any problem with him just hanging it up after that leg injury, dude. I wouldn't have. Uh, nope. No, I mean, like you said, I mean, you pretty much hit the nail on the head here. Alex Smith's career wasn't anything statistically phenomenal. Um, he has some playoff berths on pretty much every team he's actually been on. I mean, obviously, San Francisco, we talked about then uh, NFC matchup against the Giants to go to the Super Bowl. In Kansas City, he had that crazy game against the Colts where they ended up losing 45 to 44 in 2014. Obviously last year he led Washington with a five and one record when he started, but unfortunately he didn't get to play the game due to an injury. I believe he was dealing with a calf strain. So, I mean, Alex Smith, I mean, at at the bare minimum, like Kyle said, man, he's just fucking tough, dude. The guy overcame a lot of injuries outside of his actual broken leg. I mean, he had a shoulder injury. He missed a couple of games with concussions. I mean, there aren't a lot of quarterbacks in this current generation that could have overcome what this man has overcome. Um, he was a great pillar in the locker room. A lot of people talked about him a multitude of times, like how good of a teammate he was, um, how efficient he was, his work ethic, and so on and so forth. But, I mean, if we're talking about Alex Smith, the quarterback, he was never any uh, anything – he wasn't like a razzle-dazzle, like a Patrick Mahomes. He wasn't out there throwing for 500 yards. He wasn't out there throwing for four touchdowns a game. He wasn't really a risk taker. And I know that we had done an episode when we had our podcast separated. And the uh, 
the kind of role that Alex Smith plays, and it's very conservative. We all know that he was a under 10 yards kind of quarterback, like a system quarterback, slants, ins, comebacks, and whatnot. He wasn't really the, the throw the ball deep kind of player. And a lot of times that uh, we, we always thought, at least in my house, that, that that hindered him from becoming great because he was an accurate quarterback in his career. I mean, his completion percentage as a whole was 63% or 62.6, which is mm-hmm. a pretty solid number. So, I mean, like when Alex Smith played good, he played great. And like Kyle said, his best year was in Kansas City in 2017 when he had over 4,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, and five picks. Unfortunately, that happened to come on the heels of Patrick Mahomes' emergence in which Pat Mahomes played the final game of that season, and that's all she wrote from there. So um, Alex Smith was a great football player. He was fun to watch when he was on, and like Kyle said, one of the toughest guys you'll ever see because of that, 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 that injury could have ended any average man's life in a lot of, uh, in more ways than one, but he not only came back, he played professional football again and he played it effectively because a five and one record in the NFL with a Washington football team that wasn't exactly in the best position to win. It says a lot about his character and his willingness to win. So, you know, shout out to Alex Smith for having a great career. Um, he can now actually, you know, run around and play with his kids and enjoy life, man. No more risk in that leg because thank God he made it out and thank God he did what he needed to do because that could have went in the complete opposite direction if he got hurt again this year. Didn't he have like a weird stretch where he played like, I want to say almost like damn near like a full year without throwing a touchdown to a wide receiver. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was Kansas City. That year he threw 26 touchdowns. I'm almost positive they were all to tight end or yeah, running backs. like it was crazy. I think one of the touchdowns I think he threw was Sammy Watkins, I believe. I might be wrong on that. But um, I'm probably wrong on that. Someone could fact check me on that later. But it's just – it's like you said, though. This guy, to be able to come back from an injury like that is just – it is kind of a testament to just – his overall just tough as nails mentality to come back from something like that. It's just, I know I couldn't have, I see, I see my freaking bone popping out of my leg. Uh-uh. Nope. I'm good. I'm done. I'm not, I'm not trying to come back from that at that point. It's just like, bro, my life is at risk at that point. And for, and for, and for him, it was, and I, I'll never forget. I remember he posted a video. I believe it was on Instagram and was a video of his whole family and him celebrating the fact that he was cleared to come back to regular football activities. This was before last season. And I remember he had this leg sleeve on with the leg that he was still recovering from the surgery. And I remember him walking around and you could almost see like there was still like a small little gimp to his step. Like even even though he's playing with his kids and his wife was around in the video, I was still a little uncomfortable with the fact of like, I'm still a little shaky about that leg, dude. Just just get one of those injuries. It's just it makes you it makes you squirm a little bit just because you hope to God it doesn't hurt that same leg again. Oh yeah, that was. But but like you said, great career. The fact that he was able to get the the Washington football team last year to the playoffs, you got to give him a lot of credit. And that was it coming off the heels after Kyle Allen dislocated his ankle. So, granted, he wasn't. I wouldn't say he's not. He's nowhere near like a Hall of Fame quarterback. 
did go to three Pro Bowls. So he was able to put up some decent years. Like you said, his best year was in 2017 as far as statistically goes with the Kansas City Chiefs. But it's good highlights throughout his career. I think it's definitely a career that he can look back on and, and definitely smile at. Yeah, no, you, you you have to look back at a career like this, knowing everything you had gone through and all the uh, all the obstacles you had to overcome and challenges as a, as not only a, an athlete but as like as a man, bro. You're sitting there yeah. and you're like, bro, I just I just fucking shattered my leg. Like, do I really want to go through this shit again? Like, do I want to risk it all? And, and I remember watching that video he posted on IG today, and he said he almost gave up in therapy and hung it up until like. I guess like a doctor or a trainer, like throw a football at him. And like he said, like holding it in his hand gave him every ounce of motivation all over again. And like me going through my own rehabilitation with my head surgery, like, bro, like I felt that. Like I felt that to a whole nother degree. Like, dude, it's like, it takes one, one sentence, one phone call, one text, something that just flips the switch and everything changes. So, I mean, like, I guess like the actual, like feeling of what he's been doing basically his whole life telling him like, bro, you're not done yet. I think that's crazy. I just, I, I just, you know, I just pays testament and homage to the type of person that he is. And unfortunately more than likely a, a player like Alex Smith won't ever get to the, the halls of Canton, but uh, we all know that he definitely deserves to be remembered as one of the toughest football players we've ever seen for sure. For sure. And I mean, Kev, is that anything? Is there anything else you really want to hit on here? Pretty much. No, not really. I'm I'm chilling right now. I mean, it's, you know, I got to go take this little demon spawn out to go pee. But uh, other than that, man, we are at 142 subscribers. We are eight away from 150. Kyle and I's goal was to hit 150 by the end of the month. We're right there. We would appreciate all the support we can get right now. Repost us, like, comment. Um, do whatever you got to do to put our name out there. Again, we, we're very thankful for everything that we have accomplished thus far. We're going to continue to improve the channel with everything coming, whether that's visual edits, audio edits, logos coming out. You know, the girlfriend is currently working on some finals right now, so she's a little preoccupied. But once that is done, God willing, we'll have a logo within the next couple of weeks. And um, we're just going to continue to improve, man. That's all we're looking to do is make your experience better when you come to our channel and to make sure that you guys have the best content that you could have. So, again, thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you guys again next week or should I say later this week? Yeah, I just hope like for the next episode, I don't have to deal with my freaking allergies because I've been sniffling through this entire episode. So if you guys watch this or you listen to this and you constantly hear, hear me sniffling, I apologize. So. Okay, I, I yawn every episode at least seven times. I, I gotta go take a shot of freaking flow nase. That nasal spray usually does a trick for me. So hopefully uh I don't have to deal with the nuisance of freaking allergies on our next episode. I don't know what we're gonna talk about yet. We'll figure that out later in the week. Figure it out. We always but do. I imagine it's gonna have to do something with Steph since he's probably gonna drop another forty five points against whatever team he goes up against next. So I mean the guy's just the guy's just that good. I am I just that good. He provides Provides us something to talk about, and we're all here for it. So, Shit. but with that said, you guys, like Kevin said, appreciate the support wherever we can get it. Obviously, we'll try to enhance the overall experience of the podcast within the next couple of weeks, and you guys will definitely be seeing that. And um, other than that, guys, we'll see you guys later this week, and we hope to see you guys there. Hey, everybody. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? 
Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric acid. Electric acid.